Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, shoot me an email. It's just chad at chadburton.com. Go to chadburton.com. You can find out about our whole team at EP Wealth and all that we do. I just uh, I was reading a little blip, a little article. It said many young investors have 60% of assets in crypto, according to an online survey by the Money Management Institute, an AON. And as I've kind of joked about these surveys before, and you can find about 30 of them a day from companies you've never even heard of, but it does get the conversation grow, going. Um, and I think my fear is another decade of lost investors And this one, we can especially thank social media and this growing FOMO that social media causes, the fear of missing out FOMO. So I never have FOMO when it comes to investing because I just systematically invest. I've been doing this for, you know, this is the 29th year in the business and the people that I've met that are very wealthy, you know, besides inheriting it, most of them save systematically. That's the biggest one I see where they've just been diligent savers and buyers of stocks over their entire lifetime. Or they built a business that eventually liquidates or creates excess income that they then invest. So FOMO that I get has to do with things like, you know, snowboarding, hella skiing, and and you know, being at work instead of in a two-foot fresh powder day, those types of things. But the fear of missing out that I'm talking about is when people hear about rallies well after they've begun and pretty much while they're at the end. People constantly hear, especially now, between 24-hour news sources like CNBC, uh, between Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, maybe a little bit on Snapchat, who knows, never go on there, never really go on Twitter anymore either. But anyway, people hear about great returns after they've already arrived. And then they start buying what already did well, thinking that it's going to continue to do the same thing. And so people really pile in right before the big dip. And that happens on every single asset class. It happened on cryptocurrency. And it happened last year. I mentioned to you guys as much as last spring when my daughter, who was a junior last year in high school, kids that she knew in high school were trading stocks, these meme stocks, whether it's you know Peloton or you know any of them that were huge kind of COVID-based plays, um, Reddit-style stocks. They were trading in class 
on their Robinhood apps that they're, you know, they weren't obviously old enough. So their parents set it up for them and said, yeah, go for it. Now it's a good lesson to learn, except that a lot of them have stopped doing it and they got turned off by it. And that just bums me out. It, it's, it's so sad because we, we, we get these big long rallies and then people come late to the party, they get burned and they think that's just how it works. Oh, the stock market always burns me. No, it's because you just don't do it systematically. You're not saving all the time. You're not staying non-emotional. You have greed or fear driving your decisions. And so boom, people started trading stocks and buying into the market and talking all about it on social media late last year. And here we are as of October 18th, recording the show. S&P 500 is down about 22%, NASDAQ down about 32%. That's a more tech-heavy index. But let's put this in perspective a little bit because while it's a very rough year, very rough year, especially for balanced investors because of the bond market, let's look at a three-year return. If we look at a three-year return, the NASDAQ is up 41%. The S&P 500 is up 28.7% despite this pullback. It it dropped too far, went up too fast, and then got ahead of the game during COVID when everybody's at home bored, you know, trading stocks with their stimulus checks, I guess. Let's put this even further perspective. If we look at uh, a 10-year return, when, you know, all the way back to 2012, the NASDAQ is up 335% with dividends reinvested. The S&P 500 is up 200, 203%. With dividends reinvested. That's the 10 year total return. Let's go back even farther. Let's go back to, and I got in the business in 93. Let's go back though to 1999. And we'll go all the way back to, let's say, October of 1999, so that we get, you know, let's look at the total return from October 1999 so that we can include the, the tech crash of 2000, 2001, and 2002. That's the first time the S&P 500 was negative for three years in a row since the Great Depression era. It includes 9-11 in 2001. It includes the credit crisis in 2008 and 9. Brexit, everything COVID that we're dealing with now. So if we look all the way back to that period of time, we just go back all the way to 1999, and in fact, I think in this date range, I use January 1st, 1999 to October 17th, S&P 500 had returned with dividends reinvested 346.7%, the NASDAQ up 511.3%. So when you're dealing with a rough year where, again, financial media is talking about Ukraine, uh, you know, you hear the term nuclear weapons, you hear all of these issues slowdown, COVID, supply chain, inflation. You know, it, everything's clickbait these days, everything. So you have to be aware of that. And you have to go back and put it in perspective. Even if you just go back at a real fund that you can invest in, like Vanguard S&P 500 uh, index, Admiral share fund, the 10-year average return as of the end of September was 11.66% average annual return over the last 10 years, even with a good chunk of the correction due or you know, baked into those numbers. So you definitely need to go back in time and put things into perspective because while the bond market negative return is extraordinary, the stock market is acting like it typically does. And what you want to do is continue to invest systematically, train yourself to buy when other people are fearful. And yeah, 
when we have big corrections and big recessions, the stock market can go down 20, 30, 40%. But those buying opportunities that continue to present themselves and, and they go away, you don't even know when they're gone. It's always hindsight. The bottom is really tough to call. The bottom is really, really tough to call. So you continue to buy aggressively when you get those 20% plus corrections. And that's how you become wealthy over time. It's not buying the stuff that everybody's talking about at the gym or at work that already did well, that already made them a lot of money. And they want you to get in so that they can sell. Does that sound familiar? It sounds like cryptocurrency for me. The time that I want to continue to buy like Bitcoin and Ether and stake Ether and do all that interesting stuff with cryptocurrency is when nobody else wants it because they got burned by it. I still like stocks way better because, you know, stocks have revenue. They have costs that they can sometimes control and then they have a certain amount of profit and you can use modeling and discount cash flow to figure out what they're worth. Eh, crypto is not a business. Crypto is just, hey, is somebody else willing to pay more for it than you? So I kind of digress a little bit there, but coming back after the break, we're going to talk about you know, being invested and stop timing the market. Sometimes it's easy to feel like things are toppy and then you get out. But the second part of that call is knowing when to get back in. And that is nearly impossible. Again, almost 29 years in the business, or it started the 29th year back in August. I have never met a successful ongoing market timer. They get one or two calls right, maybe on the way out, but then they sit there and they never get back in. And that can cost people a ton of money over time. Retirement planning is more complicated than ever. So set aside the evening of Thursday, November 17th and get ready to learn some strategies from Chad Burton and Rob Black that can help you retire better and pass on your estate while minimizing taxes. This event in Palo Alto will focus on retirement income and tax planning. If you're nearing or in retirement, this seminar is for you. Chad will explain how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to protect your estate from long-term care costs, and much more. Learn how to invest during high inflation and interest rate moves, social security strategies, and managing IRAs and 401ks in retirement. Rob Black will share market happenings and trends. That's Thursday, November 17th, 6.30 p.m. at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Sign up for the event at chadburton.com. Only $25. And for podcast listeners, we'll waive the fee. Just use promo code EVENT25. That's chadburton.com, promo code EVENT25. So things can sometimes seem really scary. You see all of these signs of inflation, right? And by the way, you know, inflationary numbers will look to be like they're going to start coming down. Um... And but we're also likely going to be in an era of higher inflation than we've seen in the last 20 years because of deglobalization and things that went on with COVID, things that are going on politically with Russia and China. And that's while there's still be inflation, there's still, you know, ways to invest in that deglobalization. The thing that you don't want to get conned into trying to do, and unfortunately with YouTube and social media, there's so many, you know, day trading videos and uh, cryptocurrencies. I've got, I've got a family member that got sucked into a lot of that stuff. Whereas if they would have just continued to systematically invest in stocks over time, they'd be way ahead. And I've met so many people in recent months that pulled out during COVID and are now way behind the game. And they're finally saying, okay, I've got another big correction here and it's probably time to average back into the market. And they're right. And they got to stop playing that game of trying to go all in and all out and dealing with fear and greed when it comes to investing. The only time you want to deal with fear and greed is if you can train yourself when things just feel awful. And when the news is awful, that's when you want to start buying even more. 
Uh, increase your 401k contributions when times are tough. Don't slow them down. That's crazy. It's totally opposite of what you should be doing right now. And can things get worse? Absolutely. I think we're, you know, it, it, it's, you, you never know when the bottom was. I did a call with clients in March of, March 12th of 2009 saying things are way oversold. Turned out that I think it was like March 9th or 12th was the bottom. And, and, you know, it, it was clear that things had gotten oversold, but boy, was it still felt awful all through 2009 and 2010. But it turned out to be the bottom in March of 09 during that last major correction. You keep seeing these things, and, and I just want to go over this again because staying invested means a couple of things. And a lot of people don't even know what a dividend is. And I want to talk about that again because if you look at the S&P 500, you have a, a dividend yield of close to 2%. In other words, if you're just holding a million dollars worth of stocks, let's say you could get there. Or okay, let's just use $100,000 worth of stocks. Then no matter what the stock market is doing, no matter what the S&P 500 is doing, it's down 22% this year. Those dividends, are most of them are pretty dependable. So you've got about $2,000 of income. If you're retired, you can use that income to live and pay your expenses. Or if you're still working and, and saving and building wealth, you reinvest those dividends. So as soon as you time the market and go all out, you're missing out on all those dividends that could be being reinvested when shared prices are cheaper. And the other thing is, is that if you can call the time when it feels too toppy, okay, you got, you know, the price to earnings ratio is getting way too high on the S&P 500. Things look expensive. And yeah, you should adjust portfolios and rebalance, but trying to go all in and all out doesn't work. So I'm going to go over another example. This one you can find online from Putnam. And it talks about somebody that invested in the S&P 500 and there's, you know, you could invest in a Vanguard no-load fund. You can invest in an ETF, IVV, or SPY, or um, let's see, VOO. I mean, they're, they're all investments in the S&P 500. And this example says from 1231.06 to 1231.2021, if a person was invested in the S&P 500 and all the dividends were reinvested over that period of time, they would have averaged 10.66% annual total return and they would have ended up with $45,682. So their 10 grand would have gone to 45,682. If they would have missed the 10 best trading days in this example, their average annual return drops to 5.05% and their total money at the end is more than cut in half to $20,929. That's the 10 best days, guys. And this last week in the market showed you that you have a really awful week. And then all of a sudden you have these big rallies. So often the big and best days come after the worst days. Now going on with this is if, the, if this investor would have missed out on the 20 best days, their return goes from an average return of 10.66% to 1.59%. Their 10 grand only grows to $12,671. Further proof that timing the market doesn't work. If you miss the 30 best days, you turn negative. So from that entire period of time, to 12.31.06 to 12.31.2021, if you would have stayed fully invested, $45,682. If you would have missed the 30 best days, you end up losing money, $8,365. If you missed the 40 best days, your average annual return drops to negative 3.58%. You only have 5,786 bucks. Timing the market doesn't work. Systematic investing, buying, and then rebalancing. And instead of you know 
selling and just going to cash and trying to time stuff, you sell some things that started to look expensive. If you would have sold some large cap growth that I was telling you last year was getting expensive, your small cap value in other areas aren't down as much. So there is definitely a call for rebalancing and maintaining a certain risk exposure. But to panic sell and get out of the market, you know, it might feel good for a little while. You might be able to take that vacation without worrying about what's going on with your 401k, but you're going to regret it in 10 years. You know, it, it, and that's when you're, you're going to know it's true. Um, and I mean, I've seen so many examples of this over my career. It always feels like it's going to be worse this time. That's going to be different this time. Just like in 2000 or 1999, 2006, in 2018, where everything, oh, it's different this time. It's it, you know, Expensive P ratios are fine. Let's just keep investing in super expensive growth stocks. You got to maintain an even keel on this. You, you have to. And, and investing will work out and you become extremely wealthy. Extremely wealthy if you just systematically invest. You know, and the, the thing is here too is now even yields are so much more attractive. So it's, I could argue that we're likely going to have a very good next 10 to 15 years for balanced investors now that we went through the worst results for a balanced portfolio because of the bond market being down 14% this year since 2008. But yields are so much more attractive than they've been since 2006. And the bond side of a 60-40 type of a portfolio is going to earn more money now. And so that could help offset a year or two of slower growth that we might see in the stock market and or even a recession. So it's not just stocks. I mean, bonds now are even down and starting to be some attractive. I mean, just look at the rate on the 10-year treasury. We, we, we started the year below 1.5%. We're over 4% as of the 18th on the 10-year treasury. That is the biggest rate increase in bonds since, what, 80s or 60s or something like that. And the, the worst results. So we're starting to see a lot of calls for attractive buys uh, kind of in the one to 10 year, one to 12 year time frame in terms of bonds and both municipal bonds and corporate bonds. I've seen it all over the place. So if you are a person that was close to retirement or in retirement and you had been sitting on a bunch of cash, you should have some FOMO now that both stocks and bonds have dropped. You should have a plan to get back in over a four to six month period and begin to buy, rebuild your portfolio when times feel real awful so that you'll be happy and celebrating several years from now. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass, the will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. If you have an email question for the show, taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, it's all fair game. We do the any money question besides the individual stock, buy, hold, or sell. As a certified financial planner practitioner, we have to take tests in all of those areas. So shoot me, shoot me a question. I got one from Jake at chattachadburton.com. Jake said, when is the right time to buy individual bonds? And this is something I've been talking about the last couple of shows. And really, the right time to buy individual bonds can be when you have larger dollar amounts that you're investing. If you have typically, in my opinion, less than a half a million dollars, bond funds are probably a better choice for you. Um, 
but individual because you have to build what's called a laddered bond portfolio. So you have to buy a group of bonds so that if you're putting a bunch of money in the bond market, and the point to buy an individual bonds is that you're retired and you need a certain amount of income from the interest from the bonds, and then the bonds mature every so often so that you have cash that you can either spend if you need it or reinvest in longer maturity bonds if you don't need it, or stocks if the stock market is down and creating a buying opportunity for you. So if you're laddering a bond portfolio from one to 12 years, you're you're basically having 10% of your bonds come due every year. That's kind of how you do it. So you have interest coming in and you have principal coming in from your bonds. And by buying individual bonds, even if interest rates go up and the bond value on your statement from Schwab or Fidelity or TD, wherever you're using, goes down in value, it doesn't matter because you know those bonds are going to come due and pay what the face value of the bond is when they mature. Whereas in a bond fund, if interest rates continue to go up, the bond manager could be forced to sell bonds at a loss when they don't want to because investors are selling their mutual fund. And that, that can be a problem. So typically, I say around a half a million. And the reason why I say that is because when you're investing in a balanced portfolio, the amount that's going into bonds, we typically break that up into two sections. Core bonds, which are kind of bonds that look like something like the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index um, or the Total Bond Market Index, where you're allocating in a group of, of funds and or bonds that are kind of matching the income and the duration, which is interest rate sensitivity of the overall basic bond market. So high credit quality, no junk bonds, things like that. And then we put typically 10 to 15% in strategic, which is things like go anywhere bond funds. It could be some international, it could be some inflation protected, it could be some uh, uh, floating rate funds or floating rate bonds, things like that. And so those, the strategic we like to have in funds, the core, if somebody has over half a million, we would do uh, individual bonds and ladder them. And you haven't heard me talking about that on radio since probably 2006 because it hasn't been a good time to do it until now. Um, So Jake, that's my answer to you. Um, The right time is, especially as you're, you know, within 10 years or less from retirement and you're trying to create that balanced portfolio and you're typically trading with over a half a million. You could often put together a laddered bond portfolio for an average annual cost and that can be cheaper than most um, bond funds out there. So keep that in mind. If you have any questions on it, just shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com. All right. Sequence of return risk. I think I talked about this on the last podcast, but this is something that when I looked at the math of investing really got me involved in wanting to be a financial advisor. When I got into the business in 1993, it was with my grandfather. He was selling annuities and mutual funds, mostly annuities though, at, at the banks. And back then you could get fixed annuities guaranteed for 6% to 7% for 10 years. Uh, capital gains brackets were much higher. They were actually pretty good products. And then everything changed. Rates went down, uh, taxes changed, and they, and they weren't as attractive as they used to be. Um, and I started getting more into the stock market as I was going in college and everything else and taking the CFP program. And I just realized that the stock market, as I've mentioned earlier in the show, treats you so well over time. But what you cannot have happen is panic selling or being forced to sell when the stock market is down. If you've listened to the show and this podcast, I say it over and over since 1999 on radio with Rob Black because 
sequence of return risk is real. It, it basically creates a math problem that has no solution because if something drops by 50%, it has to get 100% rate of return just to break even. But if it drops by 50 and then you pull money out to spend after the decline, good luck. It's, it's got to go even farther and farther. So it becomes a math problem that just is, it's, it's bad news to not go into retirement with the right amount of safe money and dividends and interest from your portfolio. So, and there's been examples and, and we've got a seminar coming up in Palo Alto where I'll show this example where it, it, a situation where somebody invested in the seventies, drew 5% or 4% from their portfolio of a 60% bonds, 40% stocks and had a bunch of money left over. But if we flip the sequence of returns in a reverse order, a mere image of it, they run out of money after 32 years. It's, is the market doing well in the beginning, at the end, um, somewhere in the middle? You know, when do the corrections come and how, are your, how is your portfolio set up for it? Because the stock market over a 20 you know, plus year period is still likely going to average 10 to 11%. Bonds, you know, somewhere around half of that. Um, but that's if you're invested the entire time. I hope I made that point earlier in the show. And when you're retired, the thing you don't want to have happen is a situation like 2022. Stocks and bonds have both been down together at the same time, just like they've both been up for several years in a row where we went this correlation of one. So if you've ever heard anybody talk about stocks or bonds years ago, they'd say, oh, well, you create a balanced portfolio because it's like a it's like an engine, right? You know, some pistons are moving up, some are moving down. Stocks are moving up, bonds are moving down, bonds are, uh, stocks are moving down, bonds are moving up. Well, that wasn't quite the case over the last several years, really since um, the credit crisis when the Federal Reserve got involved in lowering interest rates and buying bonds. We have um, a, a way to test your risk. If we look at a portfolio and we get all of your expenses and tax issues and account types and a plan and your, and your actual assets, we have tests we can run called Monte Carlo simulations where a thousand different scenarios of sequence of returns, high inflation, low inflation environment and get a success rate on a financial plan. And so you can test for it, but you still need a strategy to deal with it. So why is this back? Why is this being talked about so much? Stocks and bonds both went up together for so long. Um, and then we had this Fed intervention. So remember when I was talking about before, if I go all the way back to October 1st of 2007, you know, right before the Great Recession of a 50% market decline, the S&P 500 is still up 228%. NASDAQ's up 489%. And the U.S. aggregate bond ETF, AGG, total return, and this is all with dividends reinvested as of the 17th of October, up 46%. So even the bond market is way up since October of 2022. And so everything was rising. And even when you had dips, they were dipping and rising together. We had a, this weird kind of correlation of one. So for the last many years, really since 2009, We've had stocks and bonds go up together. And I think that a lot of investors and advisors forgot about the sequence of risk returns. You know, hopefully you didn't because you listen to the show all the time and the three years worth of portfolio draws and cash that I tell you about. But I think if we get through you know, 2022 and if we have some more pain and a recession coming in where you know, I, I am not calling for a V-shaped recovery in this scenario. It's not going to be like you know, the COVID decline and then rally back up to the to the moon right afterwards. This is, you know, we're going through a rough patch in the economy, a slowdown. And so 
a lot of investors or advisors or, hey, yeah, just have one year's of expenses and cash in retirement. Well, what are they going to do after they get through about a year, year and a half where the market has recovered? They're going to have to be making painful choices on what to sell at a loss. And that is not a scenario you want to be in a retirement. Bond funds down around 14% in some cases. Most sectors of the economy, even whether it's utilities, the safer ones that are down like, you know, 10, 15, 20%. Some of them, you know, most sectors are down 20 to 30% time range in terms of stocks. Now, for most of us listening, this is a buying opportunity, right? In both stocks and bonds, if you had cash. But if you're retired and fully invested, you're still going to have to say, okay, what am I selling? Once my cash is dried up and my dividends and interest are not enough to supplement my social security, what am I selling to pay my expenses? You know, maybe it's gains in your energy stocks or your commodities. That's about all that's up, right? Uh, maybe you bought I-bonds years ago um, and we're going to, you know, you hate to give up that really nice rate of return with inflation so high, but inflation will base come down in the future. It's already, you're going to see rates sub 7% on those uh, being issued after October. <clears throat> so what are you going to sell? If you don't have those items, you know, what's left? You're locking in some losses. And so do you have an alternative place to draw from if you were too aggressively invested? Maybe it's a home equity line of credit. Oh, good luck. That's really scary. You think about that in retirement and you have a home equity line of credit for a really worst case scenario like this and you have something that you can draw on so you don't sell in a very bad time. What if this you know continues to be a rough patch for another year or two? Then you're making payments on your HELOC and you've pulled equity out of your home. So it's a little scary to deal with that. Is it an option? Yes. Is it scary? Yes. Reverse mortgages, same thing. The best thing to do if you got hit with the sequence of return issue is to just reset. Reset your financial plan. Don't panic. You don't have to drop your expenses by 20 plus percent because you, you did it the wrong way. You do need to reset. New long-term, very careful projections. Uh, where is your, you know, how much dividends and interest do you have? Where, what, what's possibly up or not down as much? So some selective trimming. If you're about to retire, maybe it's even delay retirement a year or two. Maybe it's uh, dealing with social security differently than what you were going to do before. I mean, some people were going to put their money, their social security off till 70. And that was really key to their plan. But, you know, maybe that's not an option anymore. And you have to rerun the numbers and say, okay, maybe I was going to spend X, but now if I just know that I spend X minus two or 3% throughout my retirement, I'm still going to be okay. And I'll fix this as I go along. But you've got to deal with the sequence of, of returns and you've got to make sure you go into retirement the right way. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. And you got to reset your plan. Like I mentioned before, going into retirement, 
five years prior to retirement, I want people to make sure that they know exactly what they're spending, where the money's going to come from, what accounts they're going to draw from. And if you have your expenses and taxes and healthcare costs and everything, minus your social security income, pension, and things like that, minus your dividends, dependable rental income, you know then how much you're going to draw from your principal every year and you need three years worth of that and save money. So between your safe money, your dividends and interest, all your other income, you can last pretty easily five to seven years from the peak to the bottom back up to the recovery before you are forced to sell any stocks or bonds. Because if anything right now, when things are down, it's, it's a good time to stay invested and continue to buy if that's possible. Now, we we're talking about the order sequence or the sequence of return risk in retirement. And in the past several years, I've talked a lot about you know, bond alternatives and things like that. And oftentimes the, the term annuity comes into play. And I'm not talking about a lifetime annuity where you give up you know, a lump sum to an insurance company and they pay you for the rest of your life. That's a terrible idea. Um, but the annuity market has changed a lot because most advisors now are realizing that you know, commission sales are not a good thing. In fact, the Department of Labor, the SEC, everybody's attacking them. So the, the insurance industry started creating no-load and commission-free annuities. And oftentimes, those have been a good bond alternative since the 10-year treasury was sub-2% for so long. Where you could take bond money that wasn't earning much in interest and you can invest half of it in stocks, but the insurance company would basically guarantee lifetime income, not principal, but lifetime income that you couldn't outlive. Well, I'm here to tell you right now that the 10-year treasury is now over 4%. And you can get well over that on a laddered bond portfolio. So I want to tell you that variable annuities with lifetime withdrawal benefits for new money, not for the stuff that you already invested in, but for new money, do not be sold that stuff. Don't be sold variable annuities. I mean, especially from a commission-based person at a bank or a large brokerage firm. But Here's the deal that when you run the numbers on that and you see the massive amount of fees that can be inside those products, all you need to get on your money typically, if you have a lump sum and you want to make it so it pays you four or 5% for the rest of your life till you live till you're a hundred and something, typically all you need is around 4%. And now you can get that. So do not be sold a variable annuity with Lifetime withdrawal benefits. It's where they say, hey, you can invest in stocks and bonds, but no matter what happens, it's going to pay you four or five, six percent, depending on your age, for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live. And it's just, I, I've said in the past that it's not worth it once the 10 year treasury is back over 4%. Here we are. Now, when do annuities come into play? When can they work in a financial plan? It can't be for a person that's too old. And it can't be a person for, for, that's too young. So basically under 55, not a good person to ever consider annuity. But there are some good fixed and indexed annuities that are non-commission based out there. That can be a place for money that you know you may need to spend in five years. It can be a good place for the safe money that I'm talking about as you go into retirement. So if you're 55, you want to retire at 60. Or if you're 60 and you want to retire at 65 and you've done your planning and you've got all this cash you know, set aside, your three years worth of portfolio draws, well, you can get you know, one-year treasuries for over 4%. You can get some I-bonds. You can get some two-year treasuries. It's you know, pretty easy. FDIC-insured bank accounts paying 3% or more. 
Um, and then in some cases, there's some fixed annuities that'll say, okay, here's, you know, four, 4.15% for five years. But here's an index bucket that says, hey, if the S&P 500 goes up more than 0%, you get, you know, sometimes six, seven, eight percent But if the S&P 500 goes down, you just get zero. So you're going to pay on the upside. If the market rallies from here, you're not going to rally as much. But this is a safe money option and it protects on some downside. And there's only one or two out there that are decent, in my opinion. So most of them are garbage. So when you hear, if you go to somebody and you say, I I need a financial plan, I need some help planning for my kid's college, I need some help with my retirement, I have a 401k, I don't know what it's doing, I should probably roll it over. If they try to sell you first thing, life insurance as an investment, or an annuity for a 401k rollover when you're 30, 40, 50 years old, you need to tell them to leave. You need to, or walk out of their office. A lot of times those people are at your kitchen table trying to sell you something, but walk out of their office. Um, and, and it was sad. I was like, I walked into a Starbucks with my six-year-old um, after I picked her up from school the other day. And I, uh, this young couple was being pitched by um, one of those multi-level marketing people that sell life insurance and annuities as investments. And it was like, it was so hard for me not to just holler out, buy term insurance and then put money into a Roth, not life insurance. Those cash value life insurance policies are only good for number one, people that are doing estate planning issues that need it to last more than 20 years. Or number two, people that have tons of excess cash flow and they don't want to buy any more stocks or real estate and they're looking for some sort of an alternative. Most of those products are terrible. Most of them are terrible. So be aware of that. And it, when it comes to younger people when they're trying to invest, there's so much that you can do now on your own between how much you can put into your Roth 401k in addition to a Roth IRA. In addition to opening up an account that is super cheap to invest, whether it's a Fidelity Go account or an Acorn account where you're trying to invest outside of retirement accounts, it's very important to do that as you save. And you can go to Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade. You can buy index-based ETFs like total stock market, S&P 500, small caps, whatever. You can, you can trade into those ETFs for free. So why would you go into, as a person that's trying to create wealth, and do an insurance product that has fees on an illustration, a long surrender value, and the ability to increase their fees over time. So be aware of those products. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. 